morning and welcome to AC23. I'm your host, Pam Bordelon. And joining me this morning is my good friend, Roxy Victorian. Welcome, welcome. Hello, my dear. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So you've been dancing and practicing and rehearsing like a little crazy woman here at the the Carrie Siraj Community Arts Center. You've got a new production going on. We do. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about how did you... how did you become a dancer? Where did this all start? Ah, where did it begin? <laughs> um, I've been dancing almost all my life. I started ballet as a young girl at the age of four. Wow. Um, and really took to it, you know, had um, kind of an innate uh, proficiency and loved it so, so much. Um, and took a, took at a studio in D.C. from um, one of my dear, dear teachers, Mr. Bill Garney. And I studied with Mr. Garney up until age 11 and 12 when I left the States to go study in France for a time. And I went oh, wow. to the Rosella Hightower International School of Ballet um, and kind of took then uh, to the notion that I might want to be a professional dancer, maybe want to continue that, um, and then continue to study. If throughout high school, I graduated from the North Carolina School of the Arts in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And there I was doing theater, but you had the opportunity to dance as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And while there, I got the opportunity to visit the Juilliard School um, at the Juilliard Experience. So then I spent time there and immersed myself a little bit more. Um, I studied theater and dance at Howard University for undergrad. That is home for me. Both of my parents taught at Howard University. Okay. When I was born at Howard Hospital. Okay. (laughs) So I was a very much, and still am, a Howard girl. Had a really great time my four years as a dancer there. Um, And then went on to do some choreography, working with the Shakespeare uh, Festival and um, the Folger Theater in Washington, D.C., coordinating hip-hop festivals and acting and dancing throughout the District of Columbia and New York until I fell in love. Mm -hmm. Um, I got married and had my first child and relocated to Baton Rouge. Gosh, now, Pam, about 13 years ago. Oh, wow. So this is definitely a part (laughs) of me and home now. Um, And then danced for OMC for quite a while while I was here. Um, Began my first year as a soloist and company member and went on to be um, a company choreographer and guest instructor at times and really enjoyed my experience at OMC. Okay. So that's kind of the short version okay. of how I got here. Okay. Yeah. So um, OMC, for those who may not know, is Of Moving Colors. It's a contemporary dance company here in Baton Rouge. But So how do, how do you morph from dancer to choreographer? Kind of where, because, you know, a lot of dancers don't want any part of that. Yeah. And, yeah. But so where did that kind of come into play? You know, I would always see dances in my head. I'm always kind of moving in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I love music. There was a time where I was a closeted DJ in undergrad where I was kind of just exploring my love of music and uh, crate digging and old record shops. And so I wanted I've wanted to create for quite some time. um, And I've done so in a number of different capacities. It just started with envisioning my own movement and playing with soundscapes. And also the need to express myself in a particular way. Movement is my first language. Mm -hmm. 
And there are certain stories that I thought would be better told from me through my body, embodying them in dance. And so that's how Roxy the choreographer kind of emerged. And I also know that I'm a lifelong lover of dance, and I didn't want to let it go. Okay. I'm, I'm growing older. I'm, I'm getting more seasoned, <laughs> as they would say. Yes. And, you know, things don't bend like they used to. Things don't bend like they used to. Some, some things improve, right? Uh-huh. Like some things are much stronger as a dancer now that I'm more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my physical body is changing, and especially after having three children. So I wanted to um, maintain my place in dance. I wanted to always be surrounded by dance, and so I found both choreography and scholarship to do that. Okay. So um, you've got a um, – so you, you mentioned you have three children. How yes. old are they? Oh, my goodness. My oldest is 16, my middle is five, and my youngest is four. Oh, gosh, it's been four years since we did. Isn't that crazy? No, that was yesterday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you've got a, a big performance coming up at the Manship yes. Theater. It's called Mama's Gun, yes. the choreography of Mothering Wild Black. Yes. So tell us a little bit about this production. Mama's Gun has been um, been building for quite some time now. It actually began here at the Arts Council for the Healing History series that we did for mm-hmm. Black History Month. Okay, um, And so I was invited to do an open rehearsal of my current work. And so this work started um, with a number of different conversations that I was having with moms in my community, um, especially post-George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a very ethnically diverse group of friends Mm -hmm. and we were all discussing some of the the world's tragedies from that lens kind of how we were all um situated in it Mm -hmm. as women and as mothers yeah and um there was something to that to me there was something to groups of mothers gathering to talk about how they're raising their children in the height of racial contention Mm -hmm. um and such social unrest and it was really powerful for me. Um, I have always enjoyed mothering. Mm-hmm. And that is an overall concept of sure. mothering, right? Like, I don't always enjoy it on the day-to-day. <laughs> so let me just like be a, very you know, clear. You tell your children, you know? I always love you. I don't always I don't, like I you, do but not I love like you them, to death. I love them so much. <laughs> and I love the act of caring for humans. Um, yeah. I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. and I like that. I like small humans quite a bit, and I enjoy watching them learn themselves yeah. and grow. And so there was something about the concept of being a mother and how important that role is, whether you're a biological mother, whether you're a mother figure, whether you're a teaching mom or a dance mom, just how the nurturing spirit of mothering impacts children, Mm -hmm. their ability to trust, um, who they model, how they model, what they emulate. It was really, really impactful. So we did an open rehearsal here at um, the Arts Council at the Cary Siraj, and it was great. Mothers from all over the city joined us. Mm -hmm. I did at that time, which was a one woman performance of the work and kind of explored the movement that I was playing with as I built the choreography. There's poetry, there's monologue, there's a live DJ um, on on set. And so I discovered in that moment that I was kind of going back to my origins in hip hop theater that I learned when I was a girl at Howard. So I was a part, um, 1999, 2000, I was a part of a group called the Hip Hop Theater Junction. 
And the Hip Hop Theater Junction grew into the Hip Hop Theater Festival, which is now high res in New York City. But it was a group of young artists that were incorporating one of the four elements of hip hop into theater, um, combining theater, dance, hip hop, um, and the and changing, shifting the aesthetic of theater in a particular mm-hmm. way. So when I started workshopping the piece, I said, oh, gosh. I'm doing a lot of that here, you mm-hmm. know, and the choreography to Pam was coming out really different. Like I'm a classically trained ballerina, but I danced for a contemporary modern company for years. But the movement that was coming out was very grounded. Um, it had a hip hop feel to it. Uh, there was um, it was just different. You know, yeah. it was a more organic Roxy. Uh, and so I wanted to explore that. So I called a couple of friends. I would send them footage and we would dialogue about what I was experiencing. And they told me to lean into the hip hop theater. They said, Roxy, this might be where you are supposed to tell this story. Yeah. So we had a great time at the Arts Council. And then I was fortunate enough to be offered a residency at the Kennedy Center where I was one of their social impact artists in residence. And I got to take my entire dance company to D.C. for a week, a week and a half, and workshop this piece. Oh, wow. And it was phenomenal. I mean, it was 10 to 6 every day, straight choreography work. The DJ from Baton Rouge traveled to D.C. with me. My executive director traveled with me. I took six dancers from Baton Rouge. I took my kids. It was just fantastic. So we built this work. And we performed it twice during the week. We did a master class for the students at Howard University because I love to give back and go back and see them. And then we did an open presentation of the work for the community. And people took to it really, really well. One of my partners is um, Brown Girls Do Ballet, which is an international dance platform that supports children of color in ballet. And... They and I, um, Takia and I, have been working together for a few years now, and she chose to come to D.C. too and cover the work. Mm-hmm. So we had so much support that even though I was a little nervous, yeah. I was like, okay, well, we'll produce this piece. We should find a way to produce this piece. Lo and behold, two of the women that were at the presentation at the Arts Council called me within a month of being home and said, hey, we want to offer you a commission so you can produce it here. So the Power Coalition for Equity and Justice out of New Orleans offered Niyama a commission and will be performing it at the Midship, 28th and 29th. Wow. That's quite a story. It is quite a story, yeah. So, you know, all all mothers worry about their children mm-hmm. and and you talked about the george floyd and and you know ha- the pandemic was enough to make a mother crazy mm-hmm. by itself right. and then you throw that in and the disconnect of, of of being socially distanced from family and friends mm-hmm. that that's a tough time yeah it wasn't easy it wasn't easy for anyone um but it's, I mean, and, and like I said, every mother worries about their child. Mm-hmm. But especially as a black woman, mm-hmm. that's like an extra kick to the gut. It was an extra layer for sure. And it's it's and it's not a new layer. Mm-hmm. It's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. So how how do we as women address this? What do we What do we need? To, where Where do we steer this conversation? 
You know, and, and that's one of the things that I continue to ask other mothers. We do a series of embodied workshops as a mm-hmm. part of my creation process. And what that involves is mothers in the community. We come, we listen to a different soundscape. We talk about being mothers. We talk about being mothers and race. Mm-hmm. And how do you teach your children today about race and how to navigate that? Um, and I think that for me, it begins with conversation. It begins with an ability to have honest conversations um, and to make a choice to mother your children in a particular way. And we call that mothering for social change. But that is an acknowledgement that there are things that I have to teach my child that I wish I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. But in order to be a responsible parent, and a responsible steward to my community, I have to give them this information. So I think that it begins with conversation. And one of the largest monologues in the piece actually was inspired by a conversation I had with a colleague, a white woman from Baton Rouge. She and I have worked together for quite some time. And we had a large conversation about our children. We both had sons at the time. Mm -hmm. And we had a conversation about the difference and acknowledging the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things... um, I remember when I would run into people that would tell me, I don't see color. And it's difficult sometimes, Pam, to confront a person in a moment that makes you uncomfortable, right? Yeah. But my response always, both internally and outwardly, would be, please see color. Yeah. Please see me. Because as a black woman, if you don't see color, you don't see me. And I yeah. love the color. So yeah. please see the color. Yeah. That's right? it. That's, you know, I, I was watching one of my, I have a, one of my crazy twerk quirks <laughs> is I watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Father Cleo, yes. for turning me on to that. <laughs> and and they, there was a big whole episode of where what somebody told somebody, said, I don't see color, and it triggered a whole big... Yeah. And and I always thought, well, that why is that upsetting to somebody? Mm-hmm. Because you try, you try not to, mm-hmm. and I think that can be a misnomer that yeah. you don't see color. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, it's about the it's about the negative impact of what people assume seeing color can be, yeah. right? People see seeing color as racism and discrimination and prejudice against that color, yeah. right? What I'm asking audiences to do is to see color and to acknowledge difference, mm-hmm. to still appreciate and love difference, yeah. right? And so I think... For me, the heart of that is appreciation and love mm-hmm. and value. And not right? the judge. And not the judge. Yeah. You know, um, I'm far more than just my color, mm-hmm. but I am a black woman and I'm really yeah. proud to be a black woman, yeah. you know. Um, and a- along those lines, my research, I'm working on my doctorate in dance at Texas Women's University right now. And my research is about black feminist creative methods and creative processes. And, you know, when you look at social movements for change right now, the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement, Say Your Name movement, Me Too movement, you can't, you can't acknowledge the seeds of a movement without acknowledging the work and the sweat of a black woman. Oh, yeah. And so for me, it was important to acknowledge that. But to also acknowledge that not only are black women doing this type of work, organizing work, but we're also having conversations with our white female friends about mm-hmm. raising children. We're also talking to our children at home about race and how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things that I wanted to illuminate in the work and to value. Yeah. So um, gun violence yes, ma'am. Is, is a big problem in Baton Rouge mm-hmm. right now. 
Mm-hmm. So is that part of what you address in this in this show? I do. We went back and forth about the title. Now, the title is partly inspired by an Erica Badu album of, of the same name. And there's a, a moment in her album where it's a bunch of just voices. And it's symbolic of voices in a mother's head that are always going on. Right now, mm-hmm. I'm think, trying to remember myself. Did I blow out the candle in the bathroom? Or did I turn this off? Or did I do that? I feel that moms are always thinking about a number of different things. Um, And I laugh that most mothers are the ones in the home that know where the things are and know (laughs) where to direct people, you know, and things of that nature. So I went back and forth about the title because, um, you know, the word gun is is alarming to some. Right. Um, But it was really important to me. One that I address the presence of guns um, in in racial violence, right, mm-hmm. and how prevalent that is. But also that I changed the idea of weapon weaponry. So to me, mothering is my weapon yeah. against injustice. Because there was this, you know, as a young girl, as a young freshman, sophomore at Howard University, I mean, I was the boots on the ground protester, mm-hmm. right? That's, you know, that's where I learned about social justice and making art for change. Yeah. And so I was one of those students who would galvanize and, you know, get a sign and, and protest for the things that I believed in. Um, but as a mother of three, that shifted. Sure. And, you know, you spoke about the pandemic. We were at home. There was a part of me that wanted to be involved in the movement in a particular way that I couldn't fulfill in my current role. Mm-hmm. But the anger was the same. The discontent, the disgust was the same. The, the angst was the same as what I was seeing in demonstrations on television. And a part of me was torn. Mm-hmm. And a part of me knew that I needed to speak in a particular way. And so to me, the, the only logical way to do that was through dance. Yeah. Do you think maybe because it's not in the heat of the moment mm. that there's some time removed and you've, that it might be more well-received mm. now? That, that you might can have more of an impact now than if you'd done something then? I do. I, and I appreciate you asking that question. Because I think, you know, tempers have calmed down mm-hmm. some. There's, you know, it, people have kind of had time to chill mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. and reflect a little bit. And, and so maybe everybody's a little more receptive to the message than they so. might have been at that time. I think, well, you know, look, it's never my time to me. <laughs> it's always God's time. Yeah. And... That timing is always better to me than my, my own <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, he's got right. a better, much better schedule right? than we do. Um, and so I think that it's timely that we're doing it now because we're doing it now. So I feel like it's supposed to be done now. Here's what I went back and forth with. Whether it's received positively or not, I think that there's room for it to be seen, received positively because the end result is change for good, right? Yeah. But I think it's triggering. Mm-hmm. For people. Um, but I also think that it's important for the conversations to continue. Yes. Because in the heat of the moment, everybody acts, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, there was one week where we were all posting black squares and everybody mm-hmm. was changing their statements to include equity for those that did not, right? And I love that energy. Yeah. Right? But 
On the flip side of that coin is that some people still have those statements and their demographics don't match those statements, right? Their companies don't match their, those statements. The people that they, they assist and target don't necessarily match those statements. So it's, it's important for artists like me to keep the conversation present, yeah. alive. Top of mind. Yeah. Continue. To bring it back yeah. so that you can have another conversation and then mm-hmm. maybe reevaluate some things that you thought about in 2020, but three years later, mm-hmm. maybe you want to shift that even more, right? Yeah. And so that is my goal. My goal is I hope that people will, one, come to the theater and have a good time. They It knocks you off your feet with great music and color and fun and audience engagement Mm -hmm. and at the end I hope they'll have a really great conversation with someone they love about honestly assessing who they are you know Mm -hmm. I hope they'll find space to safely assess their own prejudices and biases and I hope they leave with a willingness to embrace change Okay, so uh, remind us again. Yes, the perform. There are two performances. Two performances. Mama's Gun, the choreography of Mothering While Black at the Manship Theater, and that is July twenty eighth and 29th okay. at seven thirty p.m. Seven thirty p.m. Yep. You can get tickets at manshiptheater.org. and you can get information on this production as well as numerous other productions and other events happening in the Greater Baton Rouge area on our new AC23 social calendar, which is on our website. So uh, go to our website, artsbr.org, and check it out. There's something there for everybody. We have got events all the way through Mardi Gras of of 2024. Gosh, they'll be here before we know it. It's hard to (laughs) wrap our heads around that. And be sure and circle your calendar for January the 11th Mm -hmm. for our impact we're going to have a Met-themed impact gala this right. year, honoring the one and only teen, late Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Okay, I get That's my legs it. out, That's Pam. it. We're going to do some rolling on the river. Yes. <laughs> I think she'd like that. I think so, too. I think she'd love to think she's going to be up in heaven smiling yes, down on us. Yes, ma'am. Okay, well, thanks for joining us this morning, Roxy. We can't wait to go check out Mama's Gun. Pam, thank you so much. And, I mean, it's so special sharing this moment with you. You covered me as I gave birth to my daughter, <laughs> and I just feel like you are one of those mother spirits in our community that helps to raise our children. So well, thank, thank you, you so much for everything that you pour to us. Thank you. That makes my day. We appreciate you joining us this morning and we'll see you next Sunday for AC23.